You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. How's everybody doing tonight? David Hall. Hey, hey. Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? And Tony Groves. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, welcome. So on today's show, we recap round nine of the World of Outlaw series with our guest, lead announcer Chase Rodman. More Coke series news is developing, and we get ready for this weekend's 24 hours of Daytona. Gridfinder is growing fast, and that is good news. With nearly 1,000 leagues across 10 r- different sims and almost 200 iRacing leagues, this is the place to find your next league. League owners, get your leagues noticed and your grids filled. Remember, it is free to search and free to post your league. Gridfinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. Gridfinder is the home of online sim racing leagues, and we're happy to be associated with them here at iRacers Podcast. We're going to go right to topics, and I'm first, I guess. Coke Draft, let's uh, talk some news. We got some other announcements on the drivers. Joe Gibbs Racing has landed four-time champion Ray Alfala and series rookie and uh, recent guest Femi Olat, who will take over the famed 18 car. So Ray Alfala is in the uh, Rowdy um, 51, is it? And then uh, Femi Olat will be in the 18, uh, you know, interstate batteries. That seems to be a uh, reoccurring theme, doesn't it, where uh, these these, uh, teams are drafting like one really... Uh, high-end experienced driver and then pairing them up with a, a rookie or, or someone a lot younger seen that a couple times it's a good idea because um the rookie uh, class is really strong this year so it's not a bad idea kind of really have no choice it's like you said there's so many of them they're gonna have to split them up somehow yeah that and um it seems to me like uh you know these these signings that they do for these drivers are pretty much just one year deals because you never know if they're going to even make the series next year, right? So, um, so it's kind of like you're splitting splitting between the older and the new guys, and you know you're going to stay with whoever uh, whoever stays in the drive. Our next topic, uh, we keep seeing these pop up. We've got a spin into the pit box. Uh, Monza style. This was at Monza, and this was not just a spin sideways and kind of sort of slide and end up in your spot. And it would have been a little bit more epic if epic if the guy actually had a fast repair because when he lands, that car is going to be sitting there for a while, if if fixable at all. The, the suspension was pretty trashed. It's amazing that he, after all those spins, he lands in his box, not just a pit box, but uh, his his little lollipop guy is right there in front of him as he. Uh, brings it over and lands it on the wheels. And so we've seen this thing with uh, at Lime Rock with one of the road cars where they spun it into pit road. Uh, then we saw it at Atlanta with one of the oval cars. And I guess this is the open wheel edition. Speaking of spinning, we're going to spin right back into the Coke news. Greg, uh, what about McLaren? Uh, sorry about that. I thought we had already uh, talked about that. I missed the uh, part there. But uh, 
McLaren Shadow um, just announced uh, they had big news. Uh, they're entering the e, the NASCAR Coke Series, which we 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 knew that last week or a couple weeks ago. But uh, they're welcoming um, rookie Alan Bose and uh, Blake Reynolds. So that's a pretty good uh, you know rookie and experienced but uh, team again. Um, but they're uh, it'll be interesting to see McLaren entering into this. Uh, they 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 really like to use under the. Uh, racing under those sim racing the shadow shadow names so it'll be interesting to see how they they do they got good drivers so and they're getting more involved in the indycar program i understand as well but need to see blake reynolds i've always been a fan of blake he's super aggressive um when he needs to be and uh we've seen him up in the top before so it should be a good pairing yeah yet again another uh rookie with a uh, experienced uh, veteran yeah I don't know if we should call Alan Bozer a rookie, though. He's been around a while. <laughs> it's, just his, it's just his first year, right, in it, so. Yeah. Right, right. We've had a lot more guys take a little bit bigger interest in the series now that the purses are so high that might not have been willing to spend as much time just for the quote-unquote championship. So the money does matter. Well, how about that Christopher Bell getting her done? Looks uh, like you're you cut out there, Tony. How about now? You got me now? Yeah, yeah. Yep. All right, good, good, good. Uh, I don't know how much you caught, so we'll just uh, go back to Nolan's surprise. Christopher Bell's in the winner's circle at the uh, Chili Bowl uh, with the iRacing sponsored midget. That was uh, Thursday's uh, John Christner trucking qualifying night. That is a long name to say. Um, setting him up for the A main feature race on Saturday. Was it? Today that he just did this, I thought this was all done and over with. Yeah, this was um, last Thursday that he won ah. the qualifying qualifying race, and uh, the actual race itself was uh, on Saturday. All I had to do is scroll well, down Sunday. a little bit. It was so late at night. I stayed up for the Chili Bowl. Uh-huh. And I'm, and I'm West point. Coast, you know, but that's the one thing about uh, the Chili Bowl is, man, it took him forever to get that race in. They kept prepping the track and prepping the track, and the track was horrible at the end of that race. Uh, they had this big shelf develop, and uh, Christopher Bell uh, barely touched it when he was in second going for the lead and uh, took quite a tumble. He, he, sp- he flipped out, flipped five, six times or something crazy, but uh, Kyle Larson, you know, he had the pole. He led every lap. He was unstoppable. Yeah, that was a uh, that was crazy how that shelf built up and and what it did to those cars when they hit it. Because I mean, these are like top of the line uh, midget dirt race race guys making huge mistakes that just really cost them a ton. I mean, Chris Christopher Bell when he hit that curb and tried to correct it, and he just he just he just flipped probably about four or five times before he finally got back to uh, back to his feet. It was it was a crazy event. Yeah, I'm sure it bent the frame on that car. There's no way he'll be able to drive that probably. But you can drive it virtually uh, because Trading Paints uh, has his actual paint up where you can actually run it on the midget. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Gage Stevens, he actually posted his uh, paint from that night on uh, Trading Paints. So uh, so it, it, it didn't take very long for that car to go from uh, – a uh, real reality to uh, the virtual race car. So, uh, yeah, if you have a midget, you like Ray Christopher Bell, and of course you probably like iRacing, you can uh, go ahead and grab that paint and put it on your midget car. Yeah, it's a beauty. Just try to keep it facing up right. 
maybe that should be like the default paint. Like if you just buy the car and you have to start out, that's the default. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Uh, you almost wonder why iRacing doesn't have that in their standard uh in their standard paint. On all the cars, for, right? For exactly. Yeah, don't even need to go. Wouldn't even need to go through uh, I, I, uh, for um, trading paints to get that. Just be right in your right in your default. Okay, let's switch gears. Porsche Super Cup. Uh, congratulations to Gabriella Jakova. Quick Gabby, they call her, uh, for winning the Porsche All-Star race Saturday. Was second going to Matt Campbell and Dan Suzuki in third. Uh, on Twitter, a lot of people were uh, real happy for to see a woman rate, uh, you know, win a, a, a prestigious race like this. And there was a lot of celebration about it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, actually, uh, that was a really good race. I watched that. And uh, uh, Jimmy Broadbent was actually pushing her for the lead and wound up uh, spinning himself out trying to uh, trying to take a high line around the right-hand bender. And uh, he, uh, he lost control. So he was right in the mix, too. Um, so it would have set up a really good finish. But it was still a good race all, all, all the way through. Moving on to Barcelona, the defending Tag Heuer Series champion, Sebastian Job. He redeemed himself after technical difficulties in week one to take the win in week two at Barcelona. Uh, second went to Josh, with third going to Charlie Collins. Okay. Yeah, that was a, that was another really good race. Um, the um, Josh Rogers actually won the pole position, which uh, when I was listening to the show, he has won 17 poles since this series started two years ago so it's 17 out of 21 so that is just ridiculous so yeah so he, he won the poll and won the first race and then they inverted the field from one through eight in the uh, final series so the sprint race he won the sprint race he started in eighth in the uh, in the main event and worked his way up to second uh, behind sebastian job now sebastian had a really bad qualifying he actually started 16th uh um from qualifying and he uh he wound up wound up racing up to eighth which is really interesting because when you're in that sprint race uh eighth place is the pole position for the main feature so if you're in ninth place and eighth in front of you like sebastian was at one point you know you just that's that's the real race right there that's yeah. that's that's what everybody's like shooting for is eighth place, which is, which is kind of odd. And I'm not really a huge fan of these inversions, but um, I, I guess it kind of helps uh, keep everything even where the, the qual main qualifiers just not running away, you know, mixes the cars up a little bit better. So once, once Sebastian uh, finished in eighth in that sprint race, he started on the pole. He just had clear track in front of him and he's a fast driver. He just didn't have a good qualifying. So, you know, I'm not a big fan of the inversions in general, but um, but yeah, it was a good race to watch, though. Okay, and there's still some rumblings on Twitter, unofficially, about the dragging the brake uh, pre-qualifying laps uh, issue. Uh, nothing official from Twi uh, iRacing that I've seen on it, so we're, I'm not going to say much more than that. Next up, a, a discussion as we approach the 24-hour race about pit speed limit. And uh, the discussion is if you use the limiter, it's a little bit slower than if you don't use the limiter and you really kind of push it right to the limit. And I weighed in on this topic because it was pretty, uh, it was the discussion this week on the forums. Um, and I basically said, look, I have a, a little thing on my window that shows, you know, 55.0 to 55.9. And if I can get it to like around 55.9, 
when everybody else is doing 55.0, I have an advantage, and uh, that's okay. And a lot, and that was the discussion is that a lot of people are like being purist, like well, it needs to be 55.0, and if you go 55.1, you're over, you know. But uh, what do you guys think? In the real racing, the speed limit if the speed limit's 45, they're allowed to go up to 50 or actually up to 49.99, so on. And if you cross the line, you get penalized. And when that, when that happens, they can say you're over. And actually, if you look at the speed limits that are set within iRacing, it already has that 5-mile-an-hour grace built in. Uh, if it's normally 40 miles an hour in in the real-life race, all the drivers are really going 45, and so iRace gives us 45. It doesn't matter where you put the line. If you go over the line, the computer is going to say, oh, you went too fast. So if you draw the line at 50 or or 50.9, uh, that's just you've got to pick a place and draw a line. Well, the thing is, is on those pit limiters, too, it's just bouncing. It's hitting a rev limiter, so it's got to bounce it off of it. So it's going to change the speed of the car. It's not... It's not like it's locking it at that speed. It's bouncing off and cutting fuel and things like that. It's doing a whole bunch of stuff to slow the car down. So it's it's never going to be 100% accurate to get it to 50.0 or 50.9. It's, it's not how a pit limiter works. It's like traction control. It's on and off and on and off. And I didn't I didn't dive deep into the thread, but um, none of the pit limiters are going to run. They're all set up to run a little bit less than than the limit. Uh, even and they don't just run at fifty point zero; they run about forty nine or forty eight if the speed limit's fifty. So they're a little bit less. But in those sports cars, I go ahead and run this the the, the pit limiter because it's really hard on the sports cars with the, the amount of horsepower they have to uh, to to get it stable. Just like you can, like when you're coming down pit road in a stock car. So I, I use the limiter, uh, whereas in the stock car, I'm sitting right on fifty point nine. Well, and isn't there an option that you can actually have? A pit limiter for every car anyways even if you don't it doesn't have it in the options tab you can unless a certain aids are turned off but again um in the stock cars it's possible it's just it's a little bit first of all more realistic but they just don't have they're so much heavier that it's easier to find it's easier to control a slow speed like that well no i just was saying like even in that one it's built in to be slower too if i remember correctly if you had they're using that pit aid you're going slower down pit road anyways just because it's an aid. It's not It's not going to be as accurate as your foot and your eyes trying to make sure you get it right. Yeah, and when you're doing cautions under yellow, that's it makes a bigger difference than when you're out on the road and you can just get that time right back by having a better turn one or so. Well, and if you're doing a 24-hour uh, race here, which is coming up, trust me, you want that pit limiter because you don't want to make that uh, – that mistake you're already going to be fatigued from racing for a certain amount of hours you, you might as well just use it i have a button problem i don't have a lot of buttons i'm not going to have one program this weekend um i'm just going to be cautious i'm going to bring it down five mile b- below pit road speed when i approach pit road you know and there like you said there's nothing to be gained you know you're not trying to gain a tenth on pit road in these kind of races so i'll be taking it easy uh as far as that goes and I kind of already laid down how I feel about it, but uh, Tony, you're going to tell us a lo- about a poll recently about should the pit lane speeds be tightened. You're out again, Tony. Someone else take the topic. I think his cord's gone. There oh, we go. I'm back. Oh nope, never mind. We just had to just had to move move a little bit. So um, 
As I was, guess I was trying to say, any good forum topic needs to be backed up with a poll. And uh, we got one on this topic. And uh, you know, the options that they give out is, you know, like, should pit, pit lane speed limits uh, be adjusted? And three choices. No, it's fine. Yes, make it tighter. Uh, zero tolerance. And uh, quite a few people chimed in on this one. But, uh, no, it's fine. Uh is in the lead with about 128 votes, 40%, 47% um, of the people so far believe it's just fine. And that's kind of where I sit on the topic. That's good where it is. It needs to be a little bit of give. Now, and, other, sorry, David. The other question here is, is if you're trying to make it more realistic and accurate, if that's the case, then the 87 NASCAR needs to have no pit road speed to go come down, right? right. Like if you're, you're going to, you're going to start nitpicking everything. You're going to go down a, a wormhole here that you don't really want to do. Well, whatever tolerance you set, the truth is there's going to there's a line. There's at some point you simply say penalty here, no penalty there. So NASCAR, for example, if they say this pit road speed is 40, they're really telling you it's 45. They say 40, but then when you go 45.0 they penalize you and they say, well, you're going five over anyway, even though um, somebody who goes 49.9 doesn't get penalized and somebody goes who goes 50 or, you know, so you pick a line, you draw it. Um, so there's no tolerance. There just is tolerance. But ultimately, there's still got to be a hard line somewhere or you just keep. We lost David. Greg, David. you're next anyway. David muted his mic by accident there. Yeah, I have my cable came unplugged. <laughs> we're having a great show here boys Te uh, <laughs> technical so, difficulties so the nice thing here uh um even though we've misspelled the uh, title here uh the porsche <laughs> e sports sprint uh challenge canada now this is kind of more uh, home for us here but for me at least uh so the porsche cars canada is seeking out the 40 fastest Canadian sim racers uh, in an eight in an epic eight event series. Uh, so how they're doing this is uh, they're going to run it uh, with is it two classes here: the Porsche 718 Cayman GT4 and then the uh, 911 GT3 Cup car. Uh, to, to enter, you just got to set the best times at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park, which is my home track. Uh, Gilles Villeneuve, or Cirque de Gilles Villeneuve, Montreal, and Laguna Sega for from the 29th of January to February 11th uh, using the 911 GT Cup car. Quickest laps from each track will be added together uh, for one total fast 40, uh, one total time, and the fastest 40 uh, will qualify for the race. So I'm looking forward to this because uh, I've been dipping into the road a lot more here now, and I want to try and see. Uh, See where I stack up, and I guess Canadian drivers wise. There's really good prizes too. I mean, first place of each class would get the Porsche prize package at the spot at the Porsche Experience event, as well as a Fanatec Club Sport hardware base and pedal set with Porsche Sim wheel and iRacing credit contribution. Approximate retail value $3,438. Pretty awesome. But Canadian only. Uh, so, yeah, Greg, I guess it's time to represent. Yep. How many Canadian road car drivers are going to run this thing? And uh, you can be in the mix and, you know. I talked to uh, 
friend of the show here, uh, Mike Morley, about this. And apparently they had a similar type thing last year and there was a decent amount of turnout for us Canadians. So we'll see how, uh, how it ends up being. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely interested starting on the 29th here and uh, see how it goes. Sorry, are you really starting it in the middle of hockey season? I know. How's that work? <laughs> That's okay. We're, we'll, we'll be fine. I'm sure we can work around it. We all got PVRs now. We can tape the hockey games. All right, guys, uh, so for today's uh, special guest, we have Chase Raubman. He is the uh, announcer for iRacing's World of Outlaws NOS Energy Drink uh, series, and he's uh, come to join us today because we're going to talk about the last uh, week nine, the, the penultimate, the next to last uh, race of the season, how it's going, how the championship uh, is uh, winding up, and how the season has gone so far. So, uh, so uh, how you doing, Chase? It's nice to see you again. Yeah, it's uh, great to be back here. I uh, had a lot of fun last time and uh, really excited to be back again. Cool, man. So uh, if I just, uh, while I have you here, before we get started into um, Williams Grove, uh, I'd like to ask your uh, thoughts about the season as it has come so far. Now, um, you know, uh, uh, Alex Bergeron is a two-time defending champion of the season, of the, of the series, and uh, this year uh, Hayden Cardwell has uh, made his presence uh, very well known. And those two guys have been battling ever since the green flied, flied at uh, week one. Yeah, it's been uh, a lot of fun to watch. You know, I was a little bit worried uh, when I heard that David Heilman wasn't going to be coming back and you know, a couple other guys like Joel Berkeley and some other guys that are capable of winning races. I didn't, you know, I heard they weren't coming back for, um, you know, this 2021 season here. And once I saw Hayden signed up and was running the qualifying series and, and all that, I knew that he was going to be a contender. Uh, I knew that James Edens was going to be a contender. Uh, Tim Ryan, he was coming back, you know, 2018 champion. So I knew there was going to be some guys to, you know, put up a fight against Alex because obviously he's been a dominant force the last two seasons, almost three seasons. He almost beat Tim the first year. So um, he's been the guy to beat. But Hayden, like we mentioned uh, already, he was, he's was he been so good this year. Uh, had the most top fives coming into the season, you know, until last week. Now he's tied with Alex. But, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun to watch those two go back and forth every week. Yeah, um, and and uh, coming up to week nine now, man, it's just those two, and everybody else is almost a race uh, a race points worth away from them. So um, those two have such a big lead; they've been so consistent all year. Uh, I think the two of them have accounted for six of the eight wins leading up to uh, uh, week around nine. So those guys have just been uh, just unbeatable you've mentioned on the broadcast uh, some of the other drivers like uh, kendall tucker have actually had really good years but um compared to those two guys it's just it's just really hard to compete in this series with with people who are that that, that good and that consistent on a week-to-week basis yeah you know kendall is another guy that um he's very good not only in the sprint cars but he was a late model guy before he even did the sprint cars and uh you know what was that i think uh, two years ago when Majulis won the late model championship, Kendall was, uh, you know, four or five points behind him when they came to Charlotte, uh, ended up second there. And uh, then he tried his hand at the sprint car stuff, and he was uh, he was good there. And like you said, man, I mean, five top fives uh, is, is pretty darn good when you're racing against the best guys in iRacing. Um, but it just wasn't good enough this year because, you know, Alex and Hayden both with eight top fives uh, compared to his five. So, um, Kendall, like we mentioned, had a great season, but 
Uh, looks like at this point, he's going to have to settle for third in the championship. Yeah, that's right. So, um, uh, it, uh, Hayden, Hayden is, um, just anytime he gets on dirt, man, he's just like ridiculously good. Um, you, you've seen it in the late model series where he won that championship. Um, you see it here, uh, in his first year as in the sprint car series. He's just so good. Um, Alex is, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's not quite as good in the uh, late models. It seems like as, uh, he is in the sprint cars, you know, he's, uh, he's obviously very good and in, in, in the tier, but he's not quite, uh, as uh, diverse as Hayden seems to be in different types of, uh, dirt cars. Uh, yeah, I mean, Alex is, um, you know, he's won some late model races. Uh, and I remember, uh, one year when he won probably one of the best late model races I've ever seen on this deal is, uh, was Williams Grove. Uh, he won that one. I think he's got another win, but yeah, he's not uh, as consistent, I would say in the late model deal to where, you know, he's probably about a top five in points guy every year. It seems like, uh, but Hayden and, and Majulis and, you know, Dylan Wilson, a couple other guys are, are definitely in the top tier, as you've said there, of the late model scene. And Hayden and Alex right now, in my opinion, uh, across all disciplines, are the two guys to beat uh, in any car. I mean, midgets, uh, you know, wing cars, uh, late models, big block modifieds. Uh, it seems like everywhere we go, or every series that I announce or pay attention to or whatever, it's those two guys always, you know, fighting it out with, you know, Kendall Tucker and James Eaton's a couple other guys that are, you know, coming in, uh, you know, right behind them. So, Bergeron and Cardwell, man, they're just uh, they're on another level right now that everybody else is trying to figure out. Yeah, I can't I can't disagree at all. That's that's exactly how it is. Um, you mentioned uh, one of the best races you saw at Williams Grove in the late models. I want to take you back earlier this year, real quick, to um, the race that was at Eldora. Um, I mentioned it on the show when I recapped the cap the race that um, the three way race that they had between Tim Ryan, Alex, and uh, Hayden Cardwell was just some of the best uh, racing I've ever seen in any series in the service. Uh, if you haven't watched it, it's still in the vault for um, on Dirt Vision. Uh, it's the race at Eldora, and it was just as good as you get as far as racing goes. Yeah, that. Um... You know, I can only think of maybe two other races that even hold a candle to that one. I mean, that was exactly what, you know, I show up to announce the races for. That's what everybody tunes in on, on iRacing's Facebook and DirtVision.com to watch. Uh, you know, two, well, I guess three champions, you know. Uh, the only two guys that have ever won a sprint car title with Tim Ryan and Bergeron and Hayden Cardwell, uh, the late model champion. Uh, three of the best guys to ever do it. Uh, just going, it's a slugfest. The whole race, man, last, what, 15, 20 laps was, as you mentioned, just some of the most intense, um, no-holds-bar racing that I've ever seen. And I wasn't really expecting that from Eldora because usually it gets, you know, uh, right up around the top and there's not much bottom. Uh, but, man, those guys just, uh, every single lap, they were doing something that I couldn't believe. And, you know, Justin Prince, after the race was over, man, he was just trying to catch his breath. Um, you know, because he, he's the other announcer in that deal, but um, he couldn't believe it. He's more of a pavement guy. He kind of just recently got into the dirt stuff. He couldn't believe what kind of racing that we saw there that night. Um, and it's unfortunate. I, I don't know why uh, iRacing didn't put out like a, a highlight video or something on Twitter or whatever, because I think that would have probably uh, blown some people's minds. But um, yeah, I, I'm glad you said something about that race because that, um, that one will always go down in my mind as one of the best races I've ever seen on iRacing. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. It was it was a fantastic event. So, uh, let's hop hop to uh, week nine, which was uh, this past Monday night. Uh, it was uh, 
the next to last, the penultimate week for the uh, championship series. Uh, we were racing at Williams Grove Speedway, which is in Mechanicsburg, PA, which is actually like less than an hour from my house. And I've been there many times. It's a great track in the service and out of the service. Uh, so uh, coming into uh, the race last week's with last week's win, Hayden Carwell, he pulled it within two points of Alex Bergeron. So they've been neck and neck all season long. It's just a two point lead running going into this race. So, uh, so uh, that's how we set up the first race. And uh, first surprise came out really early because Lewis Hewitt, he took fast time in qualifying ahead of Alex, who is really well known to be a, a, a Williams Grove specialist. And uh, uh, he just came out of nowhere and took the pole right, right from Alex. Yeah, that was uh, cool to see Lewis, uh, you know, have himself a good night there, at least a good qualifying effort and win that first heat race. Um, he's not... He hasn't been uh, incredible uh, the last, you know, this whole season. But Lewis has always been a guy that he seems like he makes it into the, um, you know, gets his pro license every year, has a couple of moments of greatness, uh, but it, you know, kind of fizzles out here and there. Uh, but you know, he's always a fun guy to watch. Him and Joel Berkeley, those two Australian guys, man, they always seem to put on a good show. But yeah, that was great to see uh, Lewis uh, quick time. There's a couple of guys behind him. I can't remember the exact qualifying rundown there, but that whole about top four or five were kind of some guys I wasn't really expecting. Yeah, it was a uh, it was great, and uh, I think uh, I think P five in the qualifying went to Hayden, which put him in the outside of the pole of the first heat. So that's where we're going to start off next. So uh, uh, so uh, Lewis Hewitt Hewitt he started on the pole in the first heat. He uh, took off for a uh, early lead, and uh, Cardwell slowly pulled him back in, and uh, he really kind of threw a bomb of a of a slide job to try to get by him on the very last turn. But uh, he winds up uh, finishing P2 to start in the uh, fifth spot in the feature. But uh, Cardwell did everything he do could do to try to catch him. And that, was a, uh, that could have been a very big spot at the time. Yeah, I think that race would have played out a lot different if that pass would have stuck. You know, uh, I was talking about it during the race at itself that uh, that one point, um, could have you know, not only just the point, but being able to start on the feature, you know, the front row of the feature, uh, probably we'd be talking about a different story right now as, you know, after the race, we'll talk about it here in a minute, but, uh, going into Charlotte, things would be looking a hell of a lot closer. Um, but yeah, that was a big move there from Hayden. He was trying everything he could, and it was kind of interesting because Lewis and Hayden both run for the same team. And I thought maybe Lewis would give him a break, but, uh, just goes to show uh, how cutthroat some of these guys are when it comes to maybe you know starting up front in the A main. Yeah, that that's a really good point because um, uh, Hayden threw that slide job and and didn't really complete it to the point where he could have taken him out. They were pretty respectful in that last uh, turn, and uh, but uh, Hewitt does take the win and starts on the pole. Uh, now Heat two, speaking one point at a time. Alex Berger he started on the pole in that second heat, and that was a heck of a race as well. Uh, Tim Ryan started on the outside and uh man tim ryan had something for alex that race he actually uh about halfway through the race tim ryan started running running like a slide uh line without actually sliding but it was catching alex bergeron yeah it was that's what i love so much about this deal uh i don't know if i love it it's kind of a love-hate relationship it's like you know these guys these guys run so many laps man they they know exactly what the racetrack is doing every time they go out there they know as soon as it's got, you know, 15 laps on it, okay, we need to start moving up or we need to, you know, start moving down or whatever. And I think that Tim uh, kind of caught Alex off guard a little bit there uh, when he started running a little bit lower in the corner and then, you know, sliding up high, keeping his momentum up there through the middle. 
And um, once he did that once, obviously Alex moved down midway through the heat. But Tim was really, really good. He's always good on the big half-mile tracks uh, like we saw earlier this year when uh, he picked up a win. Um, and when he was good at Eldora as well. But, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun to watch. And then, obviously, uh, those two get together. They've got quite a long history uh, of, you know, getting into each other or, you know, racing hard and, you know, fighting for championships. So uh, when they got together on the front stretch, man, I thought that was the end of Alex's night there for a minute. Yeah, because uh, they got together. Alex uh, actually rode up the wall a little bit on the front stretch, but he was able to collect himself without any real major damage and uh, still finished second, which actually been on the outside of row three for the feature right next to Cade Cardwell. How about that? And uh, you were mentioning uh, the Tim Ryan and uh, Alex Bergeron uh, kind of uh, rivalry they had. It seemed like it started before the race. They When they were uh, doing the pace line, they were making contact running the pace the pace laps yeah i think you know i i think i can say this but i feel like not many guys that run in the pro series are big fans of alex just because he's been so good man they, you know like when jimmy johnson won his fifth title man people are like oh man i don't want to see him win i'm tired of it or donnie shots with the outlaws everybody hates him because he's won so many times and i feel like it's kind of the same thing here on iRacing. alex has won so many times that everybody's tired of seeing him win they're tired of seeing him get all the money and all that stuff and Tim, you know, obviously a former champion trying to beat him. I think that gets to him just a little bit more. So um, they were definitely getting together a little bit there. They've gotten together a couple times throughout the season also. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that was definitely – I was pretty surprised to see him run into each other on the on the pace lap. Yeah, so uh, that, was a, that was a really good race. Um, uh, heat 3 went to uh, Cameron Merriman, and uh, Heat 4 was taken by Tyler Shell. You know, I – to get more into these races but you know everybody's going to be looking towards alex and um hayden for the final so uh uh after two after two um two b b main races that were just desperately run uh, one of the great things about the b races b main races and i don't really uh, talk about them a whole lot because typically the winners really don't have an impact in the race those are those are some great races in the b mains because it's just desperation time try to get from whatever position you're in to the top two to make that feature people people make take some pretty big chances get very aggressive uh but um yeah the b rate b rate main races are, are pretty fun to watch even if they don't typically have a big output on the race yeah i agree some of the best racing that we've seen this year came out of the the last chance races um and i i mean this week was a prime example with daniel gow uh, making it, he was about 20 feet away from the start-finish line, uh, got in, I can't remember who he ran into, but uh, they got together and he actually hit the incident cap, and like I said, it was about 20 feet from the finish line, but the server removed him because he had hit the 12 incident or incident cap there, um, and so I can't remember who ended up transferring, but uh, there's always a, a ton of drama uh, in the last chance races that I like watching every single week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're they're fun to watch. So um, we're going to hop ahead to the main feature. Um, and uh, so we had uh, the the drama just started like right away on turn four of the very first lap. Uh, Hayden Cardwell he gets into the back of Alex Bergeron right in the middle of turn four. Four. Kate uh, Cardwell takes a spin and uh, just gets sent to the back of the field with heavy with some moderate damage. I wouldn't say heavy damage, but so right there, you're looking at Alex Bergeron still in the top five and Hayden Cardwell 
all the way in the back of the field. And, you know, this could spell disaster for Cardwell. Um, he, he's, he's done it many times where he's come from the back of the field and the late models, especially, but, um, this track is a little harder to do that with. So, uh, when you're looking at him in P 20 at the restart on the lap one, you're thinking this race, uh, this championship race might be over. Yeah, I knew it was going to be really hard for Hayden to to make up that. I, I know how good he is, and I've seen him do it in the past, and you know, in so not only the late models but the sprint cars as well, like you mentioned. But um, with the way the track was looking and how it ended up being, um, there was just no way that he was going to get back even close to the top five. And I think he ended up finishing twelfth at the end of it. So um, it as soon as that happened, man, I was I was pretty down in the dumps because I wanted to see a close fight heading into. Uh, into Charlotte, and I think a lot of people did also because I went back and looked at it. Um, you know, a couple hours later, I looked at the broadcast on Facebook and had like seventy-five thousand views on it or something, which is unbelievable for uh, one of these championship sprint car races because a lot of people knew how close it was getting. And um, with Hayden's spin on the first lap, I mean, you could take a look at the incident, and Hayden just—you could see that he hit the bottom really, really good got the left rear kind of in the moisture and was like pulling up next to Alex and Alex kind of ran like a little diamond off the corner. And when he came down, I mean, it just sent Hayden right in the inside wall and I wouldn't place blame on any of them. Obviously Hayden's trying to get up there as quick as he can. I know he probably could have waited a little bit because it was lap one, obviously, but it was just um, a racing deal. And I know, you know, how, um, you know, how desperate these guys are to get by a couple cars, especially on the first couple laps. Uh, and it proved to be very critical to get past a couple of cars in those first 10 laps or so because of how the track ended up being. Yeah, Hayden always seems to be, uh, you know, hyper aggressive. Um, it might have, might have, might have hurt him this time, in my opinion, because uh, he tried to put his nose uh, underneath Alex, who, who, whose left rear or was not up against the wall, but his left front kind of was, like you were saying, he was diamond, diamonding the corner. So he he didn't really have room there, and I think just being too aggressive actually bit him that time. So uh, it was too bad to see Hayden come fall back uh we'll we'll see if he gets through the field but he just he only winds up getting up to 12th place um but um in the in the in the race itself tyler shell he he took the lead from uh lewis hewitt uh pretty early around lap six and uh alex bergeron was on his heels and was just running running right behind him head to tail for the for the rest of the race really um it was a it was a really good race to watch. Alex would pull right up to his bumper, wasn't able to quite get by him. I don't know if he was being a little uh, being a little cautious, being that uh, being what how Hayden Cardwell had uh, has night has gone so far. Yeah, I think that Alex was definitely faster than Tyler Shell, uh, but he definitely didn't need to push the issue uh, for sure. I mean, if he would have ran even fifth place, it would have been. Um, a pretty pretty solid night for him considering the circumstances. So, um, but I mean Tyler Shell, man, he's been so close to wins. He was very close to winning uh, this race last season, uh, but had an issue, I believe. I mean he's been close to winning a lot of races and had issues. We can go back to Cedar Lake Speedway uh, a few weeks back when he was actually chasing Alex down um, and hit the wall and actually flew out of the ballpark, uh, left the racetrack, um, and that looked like he was going to get his first win there, but. Uh, it didn't quite happen, and then, you know, kind of rolls reverse. Alex is chasing him down here this week, um, and then uh, Tyler Shell able to hold him off. So it was a lot of fun, and, and it was great to see uh, all the people in the Facebook chat and all that, uh, you know, kind of cheering on Tyler and, you know, kind of give him some of that, uh, that recognition for finally getting the job done. 
Yeah, it was his first win in the major, uh, you know, top series. So uh, congratulations to Tyler. It was a it was a really good, well run race. Um, so um, so with uh, Alex finishing second and uh, Hayden finishing twelfth, uh, we're going to go into the final race at Charlotte with a thirty point difference between uh, Alex and Hayden. You know, anything can happen. You know, uh, these these cars can uh, easily get turned and, and and banged up pretty good. But uh, you would think that uh, hey, Alex is definitely uh, very comfortable with his lead now, um, and will probably be as as cautious as he needs to be to take home his third straight championship. Yeah, he's definitely going to be, uh, well, I don't know, man. I've seen him do the same thing where he's got a big lead and he's still, you know, pushing the issue. But Alex, he's proven, you know, he's going to show us why he's a two-time and possibly a three-time champ next week. Uh, he'll play his cards right and make sure nothing goes wrong. But I've seen some crazy stuff happen with these sprint car races and, uh, you know, and the late model stuff as well. So you never know. It's only 30 points between him and, and Hayden. So which isn't a ton. If something goes wrong in Alex's heat race and somehow Hayden wins, then it's down to 22 points, man, and then you never know what can happen after that. So I'm not going to count it out, but uh, with how good Alex has been, especially at Charlotte in the past, um, it's going to be really, really tough for Hayden to come back uh, from that. But I also think on the other side of that is Hayden thinks that, probably thinking the same thing, that it's a long shot for him, so he's probably going to be you know balls to the wall trying to uh, not only win the race, but uh, you know just do as best as he can to put Alex as many cars behind him as he can uh, to try and take home the title. But, uh, yeah, Alex is, uh, he's the best, man. There's no doubt about it. And, I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Chase and Justin, you guys talk about Alex all the time, man. Stop talking about him. I mean, I don't know what you want me to do, man. He's always up front. Eight top fives, four wins, 174 laps led. That's 40 more than anybody else in the field. So, um, when, you know, a lot of guys, uh, they get mad at me for talking about Alex, but, uh, I'm just waiting for somebody to get up there and beat him, you know? Yeah, exactly. So uh, next Monday night on Dirt Fusion at 9 o'clock will be the fin finale uh, at the Dirt Track at Charlotte. We look forward to hearing your call again, Chase. You've been uh, really great to have, have you out here. Uh, before you go, uh, I'd like to ask you a couple quick questions. Um, it this, this is turning out to be like the first time that um, – iRacing is putting out these races on a platform other than their own YouTube channel with their with their um, partnership with Dirt Vision. Is there anything you can tell us about how that came about and uh, you know how that how that's been working out for you? Um, I don't really know all the the inside information, but you know I, I am pretty close with the guys at Dirt Vision, and I think it's you know mostly you know they have their their Fast Pass and now their Platinum Fast Pass. Uh, and during the wintertime, they really don't have a whole lot of content as far as real racing goes. So I think that having these iRacing races uh, on the DirtVision.com broadcast or on their uh, website, I think obviously, you know, it generates uh, some more traffic. Some guys from, you know, that normally watch uh, iRacing broadcasts will go over there and, and watch the race and whatnot. And I think it's, um, you know, obviously it's great entertainment. Uh, we see, you know, so what, 75,000 views on just the Facebook page alone there for the race this week. So I think it's uh, getting a lot of people over to their website and maybe checking out the Dirt Vision vault and watching some real races and maybe getting themselves a couple of fast passes purchased and whatnot. So um, I think it's a cool deal, and maybe we'll see it, uh, you know, um, broaden out to maybe another streaming. Maybe Flow Racing will jump on board and do something like that as well. But I think also the main reason for this was the you know the pro invitational series that they had there during the initial pandemic there with all the 
the real life drivers getting on iRacing and having their own uh, deals and you know their own races and things like that. So um, Dirt Vision, they want to get involved, man. They're trying to get more and more content, and uh, you know this this iRacing stuff. Uh, it's cheap to produce. There's no doubt about it. Um, you don't have to send you know 15 guys out there to set up a broadcast. So that always helps as well. Um, but yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, um, it's it's very interesting. It's a good partnership between both both uh, respective uh, companies. So hopefully that works out well for each everyone. So uh, one last thing before you go. Now I understand that you uh, do uh, you're you're actually part of the actual real life World Outlaw series. And uh, if you could let let us know how 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 you got involved with that real quick and and uh, what you've been doing with those guys. Uh, yeah, I kind of mentioned it there with the Pro Invitationals. I was kind of doing the um, the announcing there with Johnny Gibson, um, and it turned into, you know, I was out in Indiana for a, a micro sprint race uh, in Peru, Indiana, and uh, we had a four-day race going on, and then we had a, like a couple three-day break or something, and then we went to another race that was uh, in Indiana as well for another micro event, and I texted uh, Brian Dunlap, who uh, is the director of broadcast at Dirtvision, um, and I was like, hey, man, uh, I'm out in Indiana. I see the Outlaws are running at Terre Haute tonight, or tomorrow. Uh, any chance you guys need a pit reporter? He's like, oh, yeah. I mean, we could try it out and see what happens, whatnot. And uh, I don't know if you saw the race or not, but uh, there ended up being um, a couple red flags. There was a bunch of cautions, crazy race, a bunch of you know championship implications with uh, Brad Sweet and things like that. And uh, it turned into a wild race, and I ended up doing pretty good. Uh, they called me back. They had me go to Attica Raceway Park a couple nights later. And uh, did about 15-ish races last year as the pit reporter for the Outlaws. Um, and, you know, it hasn't been announced yet, but uh, there's a couple people that know, and I might as well just kind of say it now. But um, next year, coming up here in, what, two weeks or so, uh, I will be uh, full-time, actually, with, with the Outlaws and Dirt Vision. So um, do the full 90-race schedule and uh, see where it goes from there. Well, congratulations, man. That's fantastic. Um, and really, best of luck to you. Um, iRacing, in my opinion, iRacing has you know real or virtual you know between you guys and 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 the Porsche series and and evan pasoko in the cup series uh, i racing the the announcement team is as good as anything you'll see anywhere real or or simulated so congratulations i really appreciate you coming out and joining us today and uh best of luck to you in your in your uh in the world of outlaws coming up yeah, thanks for uh, having me on here, guys. Always a pleasure, and uh, you know, love talking about dirt racing and and i racing as well. So, um, hopefully, we can do it again sometime. Thanks, Chase. Bye, man. Thanks. Thank you very much, Chase. Yeah, it's always awesome to have Chase on to talk dirt. Uh, I'm going to jump back into topics uh, where we left off. New York Times article, a big one, guys, and um, it's about you know, obviously, esports and how does i racing and sim racing play out over the 2020 with the corona and everything. And I'm going to read a couple art, uh, quotes out of this article. It's a fascinating read. Um, Ten months into the experiment, sim races seem to be paying off as television and web audiences help to savage the 2020 season. And now sim racing gives teams a new source of revenue, gives sponsors a more accountable form of marketing, and has interest in a young audience that motorsports have struggled to capture. Soon, sim racing will face the real test. Can it retain fans and sponsors when real cars are back on real tracks and real spectators are back in the stands? It's a good thing question. Is, thing is, is, we're still going to have to wait for that. They're not even going to have that. We're not going to know that probably by the end of this year anyways because 
how many tracks are going to be at full capacity by the end of the year? Probably not very many. Right. So it's this might be more of a a statement for 2022 or on from there, right? Another good quote. Uh, you have so many options with iRacing, says Mr. Zagger of Fox. He uh, said, envisioning a dirt track race one week and Daytona the next. Esports became a very big buzzword when the pandemic hit, he added, but iRacing just went to the front of the field and no one caught up to it. I think uh, I think sim racing is going to be definitely here to stay. Like, it's not like, it's it's kind of like it's another alternative now. It's not like we're, they were just using it as a fill-in. It, it's now something that's going to stay and, and and be its own thing. It's not going to be. We're not. We're not here to try and replace NASCAR or F1 or IndyCar or anything like that. It's it's its own entity, and we don't. I don't think we're going to have to worry about putting them up against each other. Yeah, we know the uh, the Cup guys are going to be doing the Pro Invitational. I mean, Denny Hamlin pretty much announced that. Somewhere I heard uh, there were going to be five races they were doing uh, for that. So. Yeah, I do think this is going to be a critical year for iRacing because, yeah, I mean, they're going to be broadcasting these races on, on Fox Sports, but um, there is actually other racing. You know, the real-life real, real life guys are going to be around. So hopefully uh, hopefully they can uh, pull good enough numbers that, you know, after this year, it's just a given that it's a part of the racing season. Right. So, uh, I know. Uh, I know. I'm going to be watching all these iRacing events on Fox. I'm going to tell all my friends to do it as well to try to get you know as much interest in these races as we can get, so that um, so that it becomes a regular part of the schedule. Well, when you're popular, stuff happens. Uh, the next one was a tweet by uh, I I Polaris sent to the attention of iRacing and uh, BMW. Um, that said there's a site he found called Sim Dream Development that has basically stolen a car model from iRacing and they're selling it on their site. And this is uh, very rare to see something like this. Um, Greg West did respond on Twitter. He said, we're actively investigating the situation and we'll be pursuing it with all available resources. IP protection is incredibly important to us in our and any credible accusations of third parties stealing our work are taken very seriously. Are you think? Are they really worried about this in a, in a bunch of fronts here? Like, obviously, they stole the model of the car, so they got the some something in the background there that's got all the resources to generate this car. So it's obviously the car that's not even available yet. Yeah, it's not even raced a race yet. Um, I wonder if they can steal anything else from it uh, design-wise for other companies and sell it data-wise because it would be scanned. I don't know what they could get from that, but are they also worried about that somebody got into the website and was able to steal some data from the site and hoping that they don't get kind of take other people's personal data? Right. Is there a gap? Is there a hole somewhere? How did they get it? That's the big question. Well, our teammate Bobby brought up a probably the biggest concern for iRacing is that when they get the teams to give them the, these scans of these cars, there's an expectation that that, that data is safe from other teams. Um, so right now we have a car now that they're they're prototyping basically, and the data on the on the design of it is now accessible to other teams, um, and 
Bobby expresses concern, and I kind of agree with him that it's going to be harder to get teams to want to be willing to let you scan new cars now for the same reason they, they've or been unwilling before, is they don't want that information getting out to their competition. Well, especially kind of the, the, the big part is the manufacturers that are competing in like some of these multi-class events, things like that, you know, depending on how accurate of like up-to-date cars we've gotten, like it could be really, it could really hurt a team if the, the of a, a part of the car that uh, data got out to, to something and they could use it against them um, knowing their technology. Well, on the screenshot that was posted indicates that you pay seven ninety nine uh, euros uh, for the Ascetic Corsa Bavaria M4 GT3. But my question is, did these people develop it maybe just based on the screenshots that you know iRacing has put up publicly of the car um, that's out there on the internet, or did they get into the actual software and get the three D model? You wonder with the reason this happened now is because they have that 3d viewer right it's it's something different that obviously is giving up more data that's being quickly changed as you're painting something so it's obviously got an open end in 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 the the computer to or in your in the files to automatically adjust it every time you make a, a painting adjustment to it so um this is the only thing that's changed in the last little while to see something like this come up is that is that viewer right yeah maybe it's related we don't really know but uh good to see that iRacing is taking it seriously i'm sure they're getting their lawyers involved well i was looking you know kind of through some of the the comments and stuff posted in this uh, quote-unquote company uh, is quite famous for for stealing stuff and they steal all kinds of different things and that's kind of where i was i couldn't find out like it looks, I kind of think most of the, if, if they ported it to Seto Corsa, it's, it's most likely just the skin. And if that's the case, that's not such a big deal, really. Like it is, but um, not in a super damaging way. They're still stealing. They still need to be shut down because they're, they're not only stealing from iRacing, they're stealing from, um, you know, a, a, a lot of people, a lot of other companies and a lot of, you know, other people that have like side gigs, uh, painting cars or, you know, doing whatever they do. A lot of their stuff's getting stolen and resold through these guys too. Well, BMW too. I mean, it, they're, they're the ones who exclusively wanted to release it through iRacing first before the real one came out. This is kind of putting a kink in it. So I'm sure BMW's lawyers are involved as well. I was yeah. Say, as, oh. at, Go I was ahead, just gonna Tony. say, yeah. Sorry, Greg. I was just gonna say, like, a- as they all should be. Um, but if all it is is just a, you know, a skin, then um, that's probably like the best case of this whole scenario. Right. They just Tony, made it look like it. Tony, is it like a mod site? Is is that what they're kind of like? If you you kind of class it to. That's what I would class it to. Um, and like, I didn't go to the site. I wasn't, you know, going to go that route or anything like that. Just kind of browsing through all the other comments. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sure uh, F1 would uh, be horrified by a story like this. As protective of, as they are of their technology, you know, the idea of them having them their cars scanned by iRacing and having this to be a possibility has got to just horrify F1. Well, just look at 
just look at the way F1 was this year. Anyways, they, they use pictures. They can take a, like a, a picture and recreate a car or a braking system or any part by just taking a picture of a car from, you know, a mile away, they can figure stuff out. So if you got the actual raw data, you're, <laughs> you're in big trouble. Yeah, I'm. I'm hoping, like Tony said, that this is just a, uh, this is just a skin type of copy, not anything more detailed or, or anything like that. Um, like, like he said that Greg West said that they're throwing all their uh, assets available at this. So I, I imagine, like, uh, like Mike said, that lawyers are going to be involved in everything else if this is a true case of kind of some kind of intellectual property stealing. Well, it looks like. Jimmy Broadbent was the kind of turned him on to uh, this as well after it was this original post is what Jimmy Broadbent sent to Greg West. And I guess obviously maybe Greg West already had a inkling of what was going on or they already knew it before that hand. Well, hopefully Greg will let us know when, uh, if anything happens, I know the lawyers keep on, but uh, we're going to move on to the next topic. This one's kind of a quick hitter. We've got the E short curse world cup. Uh, Jim Beaver Esports has announced it. The Short Course World Cup is presented by the Fistful Bourbon, and it returns on January 21st, and it's making its debut on television. Looks like it's going to be on CBS Sportsnet. How cool is this, man? That'll be an interesting series to uh, to watch. CBS Sports, too. You know, um, They're trying to get into the... The sim racing thing, um, you know, obviously Fox is involved, NBC, and uh, now CBS. That's great. Well, after the 14th of February anyways, wouldn't I think football be done, so CBS Sports would probably be looking for something else to, to host, right? Yeah, it's kind of a tape delay. They're actually running the race, I think, as we speak, uh, but they're not going to show it till February 14th. I hope they uh, racing's got their uh, rear axle bug figured out by then. Yeah, I'll definitely want to tune in and watch that, or I'll put it on record on the DVR. We we got another video on fixed setup oval racing, Tony. Yeah, David uh, Childhouse posted up a YouTube video. It looks like he's doing this as like a a weekly series. Um, it's a it's a guide for fixed setup oval racing, and. It's it's a nice little layout. It remind it's it's very reminiscent of uh, Chewy Sides uh, videos, yeah. which uh, you know he does a really nice job of those as well. Um, what Childhouse does that's uh, a lot different is he uh, basically goes through all the oval cars, Arca right up to the A, uh, for that particular week at their respected tracks, and you know shows you how to you know get around the you know get it get around the track. Um, how to put down like a good lap shows, you know, just like Chewy side would do. It shows you um, every, all the points that he's using with like breaking points and um, you know, what he's doing with throttle and brake. And uh, it gives you, uh, you know, tips on your uh, steering ratio and brake bias. And um, sometimes the offset when he, when he changes that nice, uh, it's a nice little video worth a watch. Yes. I definitely watched it and picked up some tips. Um, like the steering ratio and the brake bias, um, that was very helpful. And to see in the line. Uh, but it also kind of let me know what is available as far as track combos for the week. You know, I wasn't even paying attention. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're at Texas. Maybe I will run that. 
Yeah, um, he did that video a little while ago about saving tires, and uh, I've watched it and uh, I've used some of it in in my racing, and I think it's actually helped a lot. So I have this video queued up, and uh, I'm going to definitely check it out as soon as I get a chance. Something else uh, interesting to check out, if you go to Roman Grosjean's uh, Twitter page, uh, obviously we, uh, we've known Roman became really popular this year just because of his survival of the wreck. Um in his second last race of the season um or he's got a sim set up here it's an, an, a really nice setup that he's got going here he's uh obviously i think a couple days before this i saw him post um that he's finally got the bandages off of his uh his hands so that's maybe why he's all of a sudden excited to start going racing against here um and doing this but uh Man, what a nice setup. These guys have some really nice rigs. He's got a NASCAR-style seat with a wraparound around his head and uh, triple curved monitors. Um, looks like a... I can't tell if it's a motion rig or not, but uh, formula-style wheel. I love the quote that he put, though. I just That really rang a bell with me. It says, quote, You think it's just a video game, and then you find yourself super focused and trying to find every little details to go fast. It looks like that's a sim seat that he's got. He's in there from what I can, from that symbol on the back. From the logo, yeah. Yeah. And he did but, tag iRacing uh, in the tweet. So hopefully that is his uh, choice of sim. And that, that's what happens to a lot of people who think iRacing is just a, a game, you know? Once you get into it, you realize it's, it's so much more. Um, and it seems like that's what Romain is going through. He's, uh, you know, he's just saying, you know, you think it's a video game, and then you get into it, and you realize you're 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 uh, you're, you're focusing and and doing everything to get fast, like you would if you were, you know, in your real car. You're a Formula One driver. You're super confident. You get in these races with these guys, and they're two tenths faster than you, and you're like, what? <laughs> Well, let's say he had some older gear that he upgraded to this gear first. Uh, what would he do if he wanted to get unload that other gear, Brian? Well, one way you can do it is give it to me um, or somebody else. But uh, do you really you need want... it anymore? <laughs> but if you wanted to sell it, uh, if you wanted to sell it, Tyler Hudson, he introduced on the forums that there's a new buy, sell, and trade section where um, all third-party sales can be posted in a centralized location so that other iRacing forums, they can just stay focused on the cars and tracks and all the other good stuff that is in the forums. So it's, they're not cluttered up with uh, with uh, people trying to sell stuff. So, yeah, so uh, there's a new place to go to buy and sell and trade uh, your gear. Um, I, I've sold I've sold an old a wheel before on the forums. Everything went really great. But, uh, yeah, I didn't have a section specifically set aside for buying and selling you know i just put it in the hardware section and uh but uh yeah so uh there's a new place to go to find just just to find this stuff this is the result of all the setup shops that have uh came out in the last several months and just spammed the forums um and vrs was one of them they actually stopped doing the spamming but i think that this is the end result of it and so Basically, Tyler put out some rules that go along with this, but basically those kind of people, anything that you're selling a service or a product, either as a company or an individual, has to be in this particular forum. If you put it in one of the other forums, it's subject for removal or to be moved to this forum. 
I was just going to ask you, or bring it up, is like, why did you think it took them so long to finally bring out this part of it? I mean, those forms have been around for like 10 years or more. Well, it's never been a problem. I mean, usually the you buy sell in the hardware uh, forums, but I think it was just getting out of hand with the setup shops. They were going into like the off the general topic one, the off general, topic, yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's definitely good that they got this section now, and hopefully everybody. But this also gives, like you said, it gives them grounds for just removing it out of the uh, everything else they can just quickly remove it there's no ifs ands or buts about it they just remove it right Right. you violated the rule and it's gone yeah you would certainly think it's a lot more monitorable uh from this one central location where they can see what's going on and, and catch anything that's that's not not kosher for them i like it because it groups everything together um it puts not just hardware because normally, if you're buying hardware, you go to hardware. But if you're looking for setup shops or services or paints, you have to go find it in the various other forums. So it's kind of neat that it's all in one place now. I like it. Next up, uh, wow, a blast from the past. I got a notification in YouTube that Inside Sim Racing YouTube channel has put up a video uh, this week after being gone for quite some time. I don't know how long they were gone, but uh, they're back. And it's uh, one of the two guys that was originally involved. Uh, and this is the guy who runs the uh, Sim Motion company. And they're the ones selling the Sim Magic uh, wheel and stuff from Hong Kong. Um, and they're a U.S. distributor. And he basically started putting up videos this week on this dormant uh, iRacing YouTube channel from long ago, uh, promoting his products that he's selling. Specifically, this video is on the Sim Magic Wheel. Um, and he goes over and does kind of a review of it, uh, what the pricing is, what the different options are, different wheel packages, and different things. Uh, great to see him back in action. I, I've, we used to get tons of content from this channel in fact this podcast for for years got regular weekly stories from this uh youtube channel so it's kind of neat to see uh see it back what's the guy's name i forget i can't remember well there's the uh, his partner runs a different youtube channel after they split up um i forget the name of that one too but if you see his face, you would rec you'll know uh, who he is. So check our script and uh, and his video about his uh, Sim Magic Wheel. Isn't it the Sim Pit guy? Sim Pit, right? He's the other yeah. guy. Darren Ganji, that's his name. It just came to me. So Darren Ganji is uh, the one who was the original host of Inside Sim Racing, along with the guy from the Sim Pit. And uh, so now Darren Ganji's gotten this channel back up and running. And I hope he, uh, can, you know, brings good content uh, for us to talk about on the show. So it's time for Daytona, Tony. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We have one day to go before the the first kickoff of the uh, of the twenty four. And I'm sure uh, Greg and David, you guys are going to be firing it up tomorrow night. Uh, we're doing the Saturday morning show. We're definitely going to be practicing tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I'm sure most of us are going to be on trying to get those last minutes in. I know uh, the fun team is uh, going to be rocking and rolling Saturday morning. We've all been kind of uh, busting our butts, doing a lot more than our 
our usual just couple laps around. We've all put in uh, quite a few laps just to keep the car uh, as clean as possible. We're certainly not going for speed, and I think we're all running roughly around the same type of lap time. So, and consistency is um, just going to you know play into our favor uh, this weekend. But it'd be my first round out, and uh, Brian, it'll be uh, your first time doing the twenty-four too, right? Yeah, that's right. I've never driven uh, these cars before. Um, you know, I've done a lot of practicing this week, getting ready for it. But um, yeah, I've never done it. Um, I don't even know how to change drivers, so I might uh, hit you guys up on how to do stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, so I'm looking forward to this event. Um, it's a uh, it was a blast learning this car and figuring out how to drive it. Um, I did some practices in the middle of the night because one of my sessions is going to be uh, going to be from four to six a.m. So it'll be uh, it'll be dark on the track. I'm getting used to running it running in the dark, and uh, yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be fun. So yeah, Tony kinda... uh, put up a practice for us over the weekend, and uh, a few of us went in there and ran some laps. Now, Tony and Brian, since you guys have never done this type of event now with the new thing, have you guys set the team up on your, on the UI server or yeah, the UI server f- to make sure everybody's registered? I think so. Yeah. See, so I just keep <laughs> make sure you guys create the team fun. Cause that has to be the one that has to be entered in like whatever you guys are going to call it and make sure everybody's names in it. Yeah. I think Tony uh, Rochette did that. I got an invitation for it. So I think it's done. Okay. But, yeah. uh, but yeah, the, it's just uh, a reminder to everybody that uh, when you register, you have to pick which teammates are going to run the race because it's going to establish what how your I rating is used in the split. So it's going to be an average I rating of the drivers? It's going to be the average I rating of the drivers that you plan on running. And if one of those guys that you registered doesn't run and get it, their fair share in, which generally is going to be two stints for almost any driver count, if they don't get their fair share in, your team will get disqualified. And what um, about Q? Uh, any driver can queue. The uh, the other thing is too the when you're registering there too as it generates it once you guys are all in it'll show what your average. Uh, the nice thing about the UI is it kind of puts shows you where you're, who you're racing against and their and their uh, their I ratings and all that stuff all put together. It's kind of nice uh, for these events. I uh, the UI for the team event seems to be a lot easier now to 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 deal with uh since they get uh got some of the bugs worked out of it um this is a big event this is probably the biggest endurance event of the year so i'm expecting the friday night one to crash and then i have to fix something <laughs> for for saturday so well anybody anybody that enters in on a friday night just be mindful there might be some problems because they it, it, it's inevitable sometimes with just what they do it was the Saturday one that crashed at Le Mans, and they and they ended up having to set up a a nine o'clock start for Spa as well as a seven o'clock start. They had yeah. two Saturday morning starts. It's usually just the overwhelming amount of nut that they get. They just get so many people, and like this and the, you know, I think these two are the this and the Daytona five hundred are the two biggest ones of the year uh, that everybody looks forward to doing. Another neat little sidebar is. Once you run laps for the team, you can withdraw and go run a single event, uh, single racer event and still come back in and rejoin the team. Also, Brian, just so you know, the 
getting in and out of the car is the same as if you're going in and out of a practice. So when somebody gets, so when you pull into your pit stall, there's two ways to do it. The next person in line would just on the top of the screen, it'll say remove driver. You click it and then it'll show the seat open on the green tab and you click the same thing like you would do in a practice to get in your car and go around. Um, or the driver can get out of the car and then that tab will go green and you click it and you go back in. It's just, it's just, it's, it's really easy. So, tires um every time we get fuel or not no so every another, two fuel tanks it's like another probably in the gte seconds, 30 seconds for the gte too on pit road extra isn't it yeah i don't think our team has talked about that but guys we need to do that we need to not get tires every time we stop we need to get them every other time so i think we figured out in the uh, what we're probably doing the lmp2 is we're going whatever our stint is so I think we're having three stints, aren't we, at a time, David? Uh, if we want to go ahead and tell the whole world what our strategy is, sure. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't do that. <laughs> now, I ran a test race this afternoon, and, and I got to say, running races is different than practices, especially to figure out traffic. Um, boy, I didn't get traffic in, when I was in a practice. So, But this race taught me a ton about traffic, about, boy, you really don't want – one of those fast cars right behind you going into the bus stop. Um, so you really have to be on your toes. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend a practice race. Did, did, did Mike say practice? Yeah. We're talking right. about practice. <laughs> I want to be ready. I don't want to be the guy who just bend the car, you know, but he well, practiced my way. He practiced my way, which is just get in a race. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what I did. You're never going to get any experience on these tracks. Like the, the first, the first couple laps uh, in the GT class and the GT four or three class and all that, uh, even with the LMP, because the LMP twos will just get get a, get off and get gone, um, but the GTEs stay pretty tight for a while. And the start of the race is always hectic. Uh, just just from you know, even have say something happens in the LMP class where a car spins out and that LMP two gets mixed in with the GTEs in the beginning. It's such it's such chaos, and uh, it, it's really difficult uh, to manage the first couple laps. So if you just keep the car clean and just if you lose some time around going around the track, just do it. Then it's the best time to just make sure your car stays clean because the cars are so so close together for the first little bit, and then the first time the LMP twos come through to try and lap the cars. It's, it's all about being patient and stuff like that. You can't, you can't just, you know, assume that you're going to be able to, that the, everybody's getting accustomed to being passed and, and are passing each other too, for the first little bit of, as the race goes on, it'll become, you know, more of second nature. And I got to say the crew chief software was awesome during this race. I've never really experienced it during a multi-class race like that, but the, the crew chief spotter, guy is giving me information that the regular iRacing spotter doesn't give like hey uh one of the faster classes is coming up behind you be ready you know and they say that i can't recommend it enough to run that crew chief app i was gonna say don't go ahead Dave. and for the 24-hour race you have to be even more patient than in say a sprint race uh, there's a lot of aggressive moves that you'll make in a sprint race because you only have usually 45 minutes or an hour and you don't have time for the traffic to balance out so you have to be uh, when you're in the faster classes you have to make some harder moves but the you want to be patient as possible because the, the the car that finishes is gonna be the car that doesn't spend time repairing 
Well, and Tony, Tony, you run the spotlights, so you're gonna in the GTE class, you're gonna get the uh, the blue light a lot when the LMPs are coming around, and you know it's it's a good. The nice thing about having the spotlights is, you know, it gives you a quick indication right away that you, that they're coming without even having to look up in your mirror or see the flag in the corner of your screen or or whatever. Because we're in VR, it's it's a lot different. But the spot having that blue light flash. It just it just makes it a lot easier to to find uh, you know look back. That's the time you look back to quickly see if there's what's behind you. And FYI, the blue light activates when they're a second and a half back, so you still have a little time to gather where they are. It doesn't mean they're right on top of you. So, so Mike, you said uh, the you're using the Crew Chief app. You mean the actual app called Crew Chief, right? Right. Okay, I do have that, and I I do run that, so I'm good. I'm it gives a that. lot of good spotting information uh, that the regular spotter doesn't give. Yeah, uh, and then it even tells you times and which sector you're you're slow in versus the other sectors. Hey, you're a second off in the second sector or whatever. Well, we definitely wish good luck to everybody in their adventures in the 24 hour. We'll definitely enjoy coming back and talking about that. I have. Uh, one of our last topics we're going to cover. Uh, Mike brought this up just earlier in the chat, and I had a little bit of extra time, so I was able to give the video a watch. Um, and we have a new series coming out called Brick X Brick, or Brick by Brick. By Brick. Uh, and it's been, it had its first video come out, and it's the former IRL driver, uh, paraplegic Robert Wickens, as he returns to the racing sim world. Um, and he basically shows that his current rig that he's got it set up, and he talks about how he's using it to adapt to uh, to not being able to use his legs. He also talks about a couple of things that he does to help make sure his legs stay comfortable because blood flow and, and actually almost kind of like a bed sore type situation can kick in. You don't realize when you, you move your feet around just to change the pressure points. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff on there. He's showed how he's using basically an analog clutch as his throttle. He's using a handbrake as his brake. And he's, he's wanting to have it, have it where he can... And I'm surprised he hasn't tried using it this way, but I, I think he needs. To, he wants to be able to use both sides as the throttle. So right now he uses both analog clutches as the throttle, and he uses the handbrake as his brake. But that means he's in some of those tight corners with just one hand on a on a formula wheel. But it, uh, it's definitely an inspiring story, and he's actually wanting to try to use this as a way to get back into real competition, like real life. Right. He's developing the wheel and the the braking system where he hopes to use it in a real car someday when he gets back. Uh, interesting story about the handbrake too. I mean, it started off like a regular handbrake, which is an on-off switch. They ha he modified it where it's a, it works more like a real brake, like a, a pressure a brake uh, where he pushes on it and it provides that hydraulic feel. Um, he also talked about how he wants to modify that cube control wheel so um, both flaps on each side move at the same time. If he's pulling one up, the other one moves so he can use either hand for, for the gas. And if you're a paraplegic or, or you, you have limited access, this is a must watch. I mean, he gives a lot of tips and tricks that he's learned uh, since being uh, thrust into this situation. You think that uh, obviously he should be in the works with some company to design a wheel um for for this because i know there's organizations that take care of this kind of like that try and make controllers and help out um the handicapped or anybody that's physically disabled so 
you know, I, I, you wonder with his resources that they haven't already tried to come up with that steering wheel for him. Well, it, the rig manufacturer, I forget the name of it, that he has, um, they helped him develop that brake, uh, turn it from a simple handbrake into a proper hydraulic uh, brake with a lever. And so there has been some development that way. And then the, in the video, he talked about how he wants to develop this cube control wheel to a different, to do some different functionality that would help him. Um, but he said this was the closest wheel he could find that really kind of fit what he wanted. He wanted, he also mentioned he wants the throttle at the bottom of the wheel, not near the top, because uh, he could hold the, he could get a better grip on the wheel when it's at the bottom paddles versus the top. Great video. It just came out today, too. Uh, I got the next one. Uh, just a reminder from a listener. Um, Galaxy iRacing League uh, is going to be on Saturday nights, and I've been taking a real hard look at this because uh, I'm interested in finding something to run Saturday. Um, it's the ACAR, and they're going to follow the NASCAR Cup Series kind of thing. And so um, if you're interested, go check out Galaxy Racing League. We have the link on our show notes as well. Podcast housekeeping. Don't forget to check out the Aftermath, a different podcast. You guys uh, need to subscribe to them. And our new website, iRacersLounge.com, where you can actually see visually everything we're talking about and get those links. We're also on the Performance Motorsports Network, hardware, software. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Our first hardware software is the ZeroPlay QR system by SimLabs. Um, it, they just recently announced it. They're taking over the ZeroPlay Quick Release system and are going to be selling it under the SimLab flag while it's still being av available for hybrid racing simulations variant in the Austrian regions. And you look at it and it's just kind of a standard quick lock release that can be used, I guess, for rims that don't have a built-in quick, quick lock. Yeah, this is a very popular one. Uh, from that company in Australia, HRS, and uh, they basically SimLab is just reselling it for them. Is what's going on. So uh, get it out to more people. That's great. I wish I had one of these, and because my Fanatec wheel is stuck on my base and I can't get it off, I needed a a, a good quick connect, disconnect. And this Fanatec one is crap. Greg, that lyric we were looking at earlier—that's the symbol. That's the SimLab signal, not the Sim seat. Sorry, that's what I meant. Yeah. Yeah. I knew what I was saying. I just didn't, it didn't come out the same way. Pretty good little deal, though. Then we got uh, a motion platform, and who tells us about those? Well, that would be uh, Barry Rowland at Sim Racing Garage. He uh, posted a video about the ProSimU T1000AL for a uh, motion uh, platform. So it's a four degree of motion platform. So it's got four actuators at each corner uh barry goes through the whole uh process that he always does and uh tests it out and uh this has the um he got the uh one with the 130 millimeter travel which is uh six inches i, th I believe isn't that right greg I, I need somebody from canada to help me out with that the millimeter stuff sorry what was the calculation and i was just turning <laughs> the side on so there's a there's a uh, variant of these uh, actuators that can be either done 100 it's, millimeter uh, or 130 millimeters, and I think it's different between like um, like six inches for the travel for the for the 130. I think 130 is 5.1 inches. Thank you, Google. Yes. Yeah. 
Okay, there you go. So uh, he tested this out, and uh, yeah, he was very impressed with it. It's a, it a really nice uh, system. I mean, this is including the uh, the ProSim U one thousand includes the uh, the eighty twenty system and everything. So uh, the uh, the motion actuators are actually add ons to the price of the uh, of the of the eighty twenty rig. But yeah, it is not cheap. Um, I think his system was just under ten grand for the system that he got. Um, so, Eleven yeah, hundred for the for the eighty twenty cockpit, so to speak, and then the if you get the one fifty millimeter actuators, that's a bolt on of eighty six hundred dollars on top of that. Yeah, so big money. Um, um, apparently, uh, he thinks that they uh, are are quite well well made and and they do the job really well. But uh, that's a lot of money, though. Man, that's a lot of money. I, I didn't come near close to spending that much. What did what did what did it say? That it is an American. This is French, I believe. Uh, French company. Well, I, I have it just in Canadian. It's eleven thousand dollars to fully get it uh, priced out. I think I did mine with everything. It was ten thousand three hundred in U.S. dollar. But uh, yeah, that's a Pro Sim U, and and like you said, is that a good price? Probably not. Uh, but they do say sold out. Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a lot of money, um, you know. But if if you have it and uh, you're looking for a really, really nice um, platform system, uh, you, you might want to check it out. Their cockpit, the eighty twenty without the motion, I think that's a good value for what you're buying. Um, it, it looks really nice, well built too. Is it really worth? Is it really worth the? What is it worth? Eleven like hundred. Yes, yeah, that's pretty. For a non-motion rig, that's pretty expensive for an eighty twenty, isn't it? Yeah, maybe. And then what would be shipping, you know, coming from Europe? Well, how about a new motherboard? Asus just announced uh, their new lineup of Z590 boards, or Z590 boards for you Americans. The ROG Maximus 8, yes, is, or sorry, 13, is looking amazing. Definitely screams Big Red V4. I got no idea what Big Red V4 is, but uh, I guess if you just go by the looks of this thing, it's kind of a slick-looking motherboard. I see a whole bunch of stuff on there that I'm not used to seeing on there. I'm not exactly sure what it does because this is just a tweet that I was looking at. But I think a lot of it is just like cover plates. Tony yeah, from what I'm looking at pretty prettiness. Yeah, so it's just amazing. A, just aesthetics. Yeah, it's amazing what when we first, you know, when we first started buying or making PCs here to run iRacing, you just had a motherboard with nothing on top of it. it. Just just looked like a circuit board, and now they've started. Now they're you know now they're eye candy in in, in your in your cases because um, obviously yeah. the cases are now eye candy too. Yeah, yeah you, you didn't used to have the open cases or the clear cases. It was those, you know, just solid walls. And now you're all glass and neon I colors on the inside. I still have the solid case. Now, right. on my uh, latest build, which was an all glass case, um, it had some, I guess you'd call it eye candy in the middle. And for the longest time, I couldn't figure out where to put the hard drive. And until, guess what? It was underneath the little panel, you know, the eye candy panel. I had to like undo, unscrew it and it was under, hidden underneath there. And I'm like, this isn't very functional, but it's pretty. Yeah, because the solid state drives aren't really that good looking. They're just a stick, right? It's like a stick. Yeah, it's just like a memory stick or something, yeah. What else is new, Greg? Uh, we're going to look at the our new, or 
I guess another version of the RTX. Uh, this is a 3060. They're uh, calling it the Ultimate Play G GeForce RTX 3060. Now um, it's coming out in February. Uh, Nvidia has announced this. Uh, it's a second generation RTX card, I guess, and uh, it's going to be. They're saying that that's ten times the ray tracing performance of the the GTX 26 or 1060. Um, now graphics cards aren't you know, my forte here. Um, I don't know what this all means in the, in the end to it, but, uh, where would this rank with the stuff that we had right now? Is this a more powerful card because of the generation? I think this is like a $400 card. So it's just at that price point, you know, if you, if you don't want to spend more, probably a good middle of the road, this might be a good entry level, triple monitor kind of card. I wonder if this is one of those ones that'll say VR ready to type thing. Right, I'm sure you could run VR off of this. Yeah, but at a at a nice price point, four hundred. You know, if you're if if you want to spend a little more, there's cards around seven hundred. Like the I had the twenty seventy super that was seven that was seven hundred when I bought it a year ago. Now, I, I on this topic, I I don't know if you guys, um, I don't know any of you guys that run. Mike, do you run an RTX card? 2070 Super. Okay. I got an RTX uh, 2060, I believe, in my laptop. And the ray tracing stuff for, ref like, it's definitely a different uh, thing when you're seeing ray tracing and stuff like that uh, for, for certain um, games and things like that. Um, so these cards definitely are starting to get really evolved and. Um, that's the first time I've experienced an R RTX card. It was the one on my laptop. Okay, next up, a rig review. Uh, basically, VRS posted a sneak peek of their new DirectForce Pro GT Sim rig, currently being used in the Coanda Sim Sport Complex. This is that uh, Sim house with the purple floors, and uh, boy, it's a beauty. It's a real slim-looking 8020. Not a lot of bells and whistles. Uh, monitors are on the same upright at the, the base is on, which is a little worrying. But uh, triples with a fourth monitor above, uh, typical bucket seat. Um, what do you guys think of this uh, rig? It's pretty slim, pretty clean. Those aren't the pedal stuff that they're developing, is it? That's not their their system there for it, is it? It's I just don't the know. Rig, it's just the rig that's the VRS stuff because there's nothing yeah, else the, on it. Yeah, the rig is VRS, yeah. But it looks like it comes with a lot of different uh, being an eighty, being the way it is. But like even on one of the things here, you can see that they got a, a camera support for the back. There's it. It definitely is a nice looking rig. Uh, it's really hard to tell all the stuff it has because it's such a dark color too, right? Right. Very small footprint. Um, I'm wondering where the PC is. It's got to be right behind the center monitor. I'm guessing, but. Uh, you you get a shot of the purple room and there's actually at least three rigs in this room just kind of spaced out you know around the room pretty cool i was gonna say it's a very sterile looking room brian do you uh when you race do you race with any gloves i do actually i have a set of um alpine stars uh carding gloves and they they're pretty decent but um there's actually a company called Freem Gloves, F-R-E-E-M Gloves, and they're made specifically for sim racing. Um, they have a uh, touchscreen inserts, so uh, the, the index finger and the thumb 
can be used on like a mobile device, which I do miss while I'm racing. You know, if I, if I have my gloves on, it doesn't work with my phone. So uh, yeah, they're, they're a nice breathable fabric, uh, and uh, they have uh, easy ultra grips on the uh, palms for gripping your wheels. So it's a nice looking glove made specifically for sim racing. It's definitely a different type of um, way to look at it. it. It's basically reminds me of kind of the work gloves that I work with at work. It just uh, it's it's more of a, a tight fitting. Um, but the thing that I the the breathable fabric is what you really want when, especially with the when you're gripping a wheel, you don't want your hands to start sweating or things like that. But it looks like an interesting glove. Uh, they're made in Italy. It says here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, made in Italy. That's exactly what they remind me of, Greg, is work gloves. I use the tight-fitting, uh, grippy gloves at work as well. And if that's what these are, which they probably are very you know, very similar, obviously um, much nicer material and a lot more innovation than the ones that I use, but I find them extremely, extremely comfortable. Yeah, I believe my work gloves at work is like a, a Fastenal brand of work gloves. But yeah, this I, I think this would be obviously trying to get it shipped over from Italy is would be a little bit expensive. But uh, I don't. Know. They're nice. I wonder what. Uh, trying to see if they have different color combinations here. Freem F R E E M dash simracing dot com. And the interest of time, I'm going to jump around here. We're going to jump to uh, our buddy at MidwestSim dot com. Tony, uh, tell us about pit buddy i was telling you that scott was telling me about this and yeah. uh, sure enough they uh released it this week yeah yeah boy uh that was that was quick i mean asking you shall receive right like this is exactly what i was asking for last week it was um too funny that uh this was already in the works and you know and just ready to go so um he's added on to his uh uh the the pit lights and he's he's put a a middle section in there to go for well it's going to work best for your middle monitor and it's going to show you um all your pit stop lights what you have turned on and what you have turned off and it works directly with iRacing. racing so you got your tires and um you know fuel or uh uh your quick repair um you know if you have those checked on or checked off um, this box is going to show that to you. So you don't have to, you know, fumble and cycle through your black boxes, uh, to make sure you have everything set or just to, you know, like, Oh, did I do that? Well, pit buddy is going to tell you that. So pair, those are, um, you pair that up with, uh, the two spotter lights and there's your, um, your three monitor setup that I was really hoping to, to see and bam, here it is. And uh, I believe they don't release until January 27th, um, but you can get your pre-orders in and uh, you bet your bottom dollar that I've got mine in. I just did that today. Uh, last week when uh, we were talking about this, Lisa was waiting for me as I was walking up the stairs coming out after we recorded and she's just shaking, just nodding her head up and down. And I'm like, oh, you, you heard that, did you? She's like, yep. I'm I like, warned you beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, you're going to be like, you know, well over 100 bucks for us silly Canadians. She's like, and so here we go. Just waiting for them to uh, get shipped out now. 
So the Pit Buddy Pro, 40 bucks. The regular Pit Buddy, 25 um, Boy, it's affordable, too. Tony, that's that uh, is uh, 3D printed there, right? That th- That's what that looks like, is it's 3D printed. Plastic These thing. B- yeah. Plastics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all 3D printed. I have an idea that I want to run by Scott. I'm going to have to get a hold of him and uh, see if uh, what he thinks of it. Yeah, this thing is pretty cool. Uh, it's kind of neat that Tony was looking for such a thing, and boom, Scott was putting one out, and there it is. And you bought one, so you might be the first one to buy it. I don't know. Well, it said my my order number was like 209, so I don't know if that was for these things or if you know that's some other crazy number he's got going. Um I'm in line. I got my I got my hand up, so we're good. Okay. It's such a such a simple device. It could really help you out when you're going into the pits to see what you have uh, checked on and off. It's a really cool idea. Well, with the with the um, you know with the pit lights with the VR stuff, you know, uh, before I had a chance to um, use them, I was kind of balking at the price, right? Because you know the exchange rate, getting it up here, that that part kind of sucks. But you know. That old saying, you know, if I knew now or if I knew then what I know now, um, I, I, I would not even have questioned that. I just bought it. They're so helpful. I can't, I don't, I, I don't know if how I could do it without it anymore. Tony, just wait till, uh, till Saturday's race there, the 24 hour race. You'll definitely really appreciate them more there. With the traffic. Oh, yeah. Big it up. just, it's just, it just helps you out. Uh, like when you're when you're driving for those stint those stints, you, you know your brain starts going into a, it, you get into a groove. But sometimes you forget some things. The the lights remind you of what you're doing. Sometimes. Right, you forget to look at the mirror is what happens, and you're not watching the mirror right, and they come up on you, and you're they're on top of you before you know it. But but those lights will give you that heads up, huh? Well, and the other thing is in those GT cars or the the LMPs or anything there. There is blind spots, so with the outside and inside light, it helps you a lot more too because the spotter is not completely accurate to where the car is on the track trying to get by you. Now, I run my own version of that, which is the Joel Real Timing, JRT. They have a visual spotter that I run um, on my center monitor, and it kind of does the same thing, but uh, I find it very valuable in these kind of races. Uh, final hardware topic, uh, we're going to do the button boxes from the Crazy Vet Fam. And this guy's a 100% disabled uh, veteran, uh, and he makes these button boxes and iFlag. Um, $50, uh, he could do customs and so forth. I found this guy on uh, Facebook. And a lot of people were, you know, hitting him up for orders, and he's trying to get something off the ground. So I said, hey, send me your information. We'll talk about it on the show. So he's got a Facebook page. It's uh, Crazy Vet Fam. And uh, they're pretty simple uh, button boxes, guys. Uh, Colors, uh, one style of button, simple. Definitely, you know, another option out there for... uh for anybody to be able to get, you know, there's always, it's always nice to have options for what you can get. Do we have prices? Uh, I believe it was 50. What, uh, Brian, when we wrote this, I'm not sure it was 50 or 60 with shipping. Oh, it's 50 for the box, 60 for the flag. That's what it is. That's right. 
so the eye flag he's got it like a square with a bunch of leds on it and uh, i guess it goes yellow when there's a yellow flag kind of thing well you can't really find button boxes for 50 bucks or less so that's about about the right price so okay let's talk results next looks no like the, yeah no 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 nis looks like the first thing we had was uh you ran a little bit of imza I did. I, I mentioned I ran a practice race today. It was P16 out of 22 in my class. I had a best lap of 144.1. I had a great start. I gained like seven spots on the start and then uh, got punted in turn two of lap two. Uh, the guy just went into the back of me. I had nowhere to go, spun me around, put me clear to the back. Um, my X's were pretty high. I was 15 X out of 17. Uh, at the end, um, eight of those were from incidents. Uh, the rest were just one-offs, usually in turn two or the bus stop. Um, but I think I'll be okay with the one X's. I, w I didn't have a lot of them, but uh, but yeah, like I said, that kind of race is invaluable practice. In the uh, Euro Sprint series, they were actually at Daytona last week, and I spent most of the time running in the Ferrari to get ready for our majors race this last weekend, but I did jump in the 919 just for just for kicks a couple of times and in the second race I did snag a P1 in the uh, 919 and also Tom hit three wins in a row in the in, in the LMP2 getting ready for the 20 hours or 24 hours of Daytona and that third win also put him at 100 total wins in iRacing wow so 98, 99, 100 yes I think you guys are positioned to be a winning car I hope uh, David I mean you got quite a lineup you know with richie hearn and tom dryling and david hall who else me i Hectus. i finished uh that uh, majors race that uh we did on the weekend too i finished uh the 2.4 i finished third in that race and uh, uh what they call it the sportsman class right david that's the uh the, the the newer rookies for the, the starting out in the uh, majors, but uh, it was a good race and uh, it was good. It was a really good test uh, to run the LMP2 car there, and uh, you know get get ready for this weekend. I'm I'm really comfortable in that car. Um, it's I I haven't run the LMP2 up until this point, um, so to to get a P3 and 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 get out of there with no damage, nothing, and I ran the whole race on. The, the set of tires I started on just to try and see a bunch of the other guys that finished ahead of me did take tires in the middle of the race so it kind of you know it was just something I was trying just to see what it would do I was I would always be way up ahead of them and then just tires would just bring them back but it was a good race and uh, I, I really can't wait to see what we can accomplish this weekend in the 24. Okay and then I ran some class A fixed at Texas uh, trying to get my I rating back up before the 500 um, and it determines which division I'm going to be in. It, it hasn't been going well, but the first race, P5, I actually led the most laps. I thought I had a chance at winning at one point during the race. Uh, by lap 10, though, um, I had moved from 14th to 1st. Um, it was a long run to the end. I ran the tires off and faded a bit. Uh, in the race with me, Mike Ramos, 4, he even told me, Ellis, you're going to run those tires off. And uh, sure enough, he was right. I was trying to be careful, but um, I don't know. I, I ran the tires off getting up there from 14th to 1st and realized I got to qualify better. 
So I ran another race uh, at Texas, P18, yikes. I got caught up in the first caution. Someone hit the wall, I had nowhere to go. Uh, then I wrecked in the final restart real bad when someone couldn't hold a line. So I tried again, P16, after starting 17th, got up to 4th. But then they told me I was blinking. Um, I looked up and my quality was 100 on the left, 90 on the right. Um, I let them say it like two or three times to me and then I pulled up and let them go. And uh, obviously couldn't get the track position back after I fell to the back of the pack. Um, but I'm not gonna, you know, I don't wanna risk getting protested uh, for blinking. I'd rather give up the I rating. And so that's what I did. Uh, Greg mentioned his finish in the Pacific Majors. I also ran that race. I'm in the pro division. A lot of tough competition in there. I, I drove the GTE. Came in P12. I did have a problem with an LMP2, and I showed the guys the, the video of this, who seemed to have the idea that you could go too wide in the bus stop. He thought it was just a safe move. Um, and I just took... I just drove into the grass rather than turning down on him when he when he dove on from from an outrageous distance. Um, otherwise, clean race. Probably would have gotten P10 instead of P12 if that hadn't happened. A lot of tough, fast guys in that league. Anyone listening uh, to what David's saying there? The bus stop is not a racing area. It's you pass before the bus stop or you wait till you're out of the bus stop. Don't don't try doing it in. You're just. That is one of the easiest places to put it into a tire barrier too. That the tire barrier there that's on the outside, uh, that'll that'll destroy your car and that'll destroy your race. Yeah, if you're one of the faster classes and you can't be beside that car before the before the two marker, not really the caution light, but before the two marker, if you can't be beside him by then, don't do it. Um, if you are beside him by then, then it's also they're going to be a little miffed but they should break a little early and they have enough time to break a little early but if you can't be beside them before you get to the two marker it's too late and you will cause a wreck okay i ran some uh random hosted stuff which i love to do uh first one was pro two trucks at phoenix rally track i started 14th and finished p3 it was a ton of fun uh that pro 2 truck around the, the rally track uh especially if you took the uh the joker um because you could because you with the joker you can really bypass most of the dirt and that truck uh, is just super fast on the pavement but uh, i had a great time with that one then i tried uh trucks at talladega and i gotta tell you people if you host a race at trucks at talladega or something similar you gotta have cautions off uh, this guy had cautions on, you know, I gave up by lap 11 because every time we'd go green, uh, another, you know, someone else would wreck. And so it's just a total caution fest. And so don't do that. I also ran pro Mazda at Michigan. Um, uh, again, so much fun, but got wrecked by fools. Uh, if we could just get a good group that wasn't, you know, wrecking, it would be gold. I mean, the pro Mazdas at Michigan, you can be seven, eight wide realistically and, and it like run in a huge pack. And uh, boy, that I just love that pro Mazda at Michigan. That's so much fun. Uh, Mike, did you miss Legends this week? I didn't see you come on on Monday night. I did. I was kind of feeling ill on Monday. I actually skipped the uh, Winter League Legends. But we both did make the Wednesday race in the Cup car. You had a P16. Chicago, yes. Uh, 
not a bad run going. I was like right behind you when we pitted and uh, actually caught up to you getting into pit road when you were further up from me. But I slid through my stall like bad. I had to back up and then I had to go to the right. And by the time I got back on the track, I think David was like 15 seconds ahead of me. And that's how much I had lost just from sliding through pit road. There was one caution early, like lap three, and then it was green the rest of the race. Uh, but yeah, that I just couldn't recover from that. Yep, I came in P11. Uh, was I don't think I was going to catch the P10 guy, but uh, it was clean and green. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fast guys in that race. So P11 with that competition is a good finish. I'm still... I fell to P5 without drop week, and I'm still sitting P7 with the drop week kicking in. Um, but it, P, from P5 to P8 is all within like one point of each other. And what's the old guy, James Hickson? He announced his iRacing retirement during the race. He's 78, I believe. Yeah, he thanked the group for running, letting him run with him, and he's he's announced that he's just feels like he's not keeping pace. I tried to actually tell him about the OBRL, uh, but I don't know if you caught the messages or not. Um, but yeah, racing at seventy eight, he's just decided that in, if it's not uh, if it's not a super speedway, he he may not want to run it anymore because he's just not keeping up. And uh, I'm able to keep up pretty well with Hermie Sadler. Um, he seems to be running around me in these races a lot. He's better on the older tires, but on the newer tires, I can keep pace with him for sure. Uh, it seems like you're with the other brother, David. Uh, you've been running around Elliot a lot, but he's still faster, right? Elliot has, uh, the last couple of races, has had a little bit more pace than me. Uh, he didn't finish his last one. I have no idea what happened to him, but he... He left about middle of the race with no caution coming out. It could have been just a, a family emergency. Just never went back to look at the replay. So speaking of OBRL, Brian Rockingham, P6. Yeah, so uh, Monday night ARCA, we were at Rockingham. I uh, I started, I think I started fifth. Um, I actually was uh, fairly quick, I believe. So um, uh, after the first uh, set of pit flag pit, or pit stops, I was... Um, I was still doing pretty solid and uh, man, coming out of the pits, I was too hard on the gas, spun and tapped the inside wall. I had to, you know, I was sideways, so I had to restart everything. By the time I got back out on the track, I was actually a lap down uh, just behind the leaders. Um, but I was able to keep pace with them through the next uh, through the next series of uh, pit stops. So I, I had pretty good speed, but I just darn screwed up that pit exit, you know? Uh, so, um, uh, there was a lot of issues, I believe, in that race. Um, Rockingham is man, it just tears up your tires. So if you don't if you don't protect your tires too well, you know it's real easy to get get caught. You know, just get just steamrolled by people with better tires. But um, I think I did fairly well. Other than that, um, I, I was pr I had probably had an outside chance of a podium if I didn't if I didn't do that. But it was what it is. It was a good, still a good race, still fun racing. Um, and uh yeah we'll just move on next week um the uh we're gonna i think it's uh two weeks before the playoffs start in the orca series for the obrl and uh right now i'm sitting in third place so i'm sitting in pretty good shape all right and then what about the aftermath truck series um i uh skipped that in lieu of daytona practice to be honest with you uh so i was uh yeah i just i just there was just no way i was going to have time to do that race and get in the 
amount of uh, practice for Daytona that I think I definitely need to keep from being that guy who destroys the race for everybody else. So that, okay. that's the common theme is everybody doesn't want to be that guy. Oh, except except most of us who've run them have been that guy. Yeah, just it happened to everybody. Just ask David and I our last two endurance races that are together with us. What both of us have made mistakes that have, you know, cost us something, and you know, it it is what it is. It's it's a t- it ends up being like a, you know, that racing is supposed to be individual, but when you do these endurance things, it becomes a team thing. So you live you live by the sword, you die by the sword as a team. Yeah, and we can get repairs and get back out there, and you'll be surprised at what kind of finish you can get, even if you get wrecked. Um, so you just got to stay in there and hang in it and get it done. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder Finder.com. The home of online sim racing leagues. Final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. <clears throat> yes, uh, I really want to thank Chase for Chase Rodman for coming out and talking some uh, dirt track racing with us. Uh, he's a great guest to have. He's got a lot of information that uh, that he can put out about these series. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's kind of neat. He kind of broke some news on our show that uh, you know he's going to be uh, a full time announcer with the uh, World Outlaws. Man, how, how great is that? Uh, it's 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 one of those deals. It's it's not too much different than a driver going from a, a sim driver to being in a real real deal. So he's kind of doing it through the announcing uh, the announcing way, and uh, yeah, I'm really really uh, really proud that he uh, was able to do that through through iRacing. And uh, man, look forward to hearing hearing from him on the uh, on broadcast for World Outlaws. Yeah, I need to watch that finale next week for sure. That's going to be a heck of a race. See if Alex Bergeron can bring it home. All right, David Hall, final thoughts. So I bought the 217 finally. Uh, I've been excited that they've had it because it's made IMSA racing better with all three classes being pretty active. But I had just continued to run the Ferrari because I was pretty loyal to that car. Uh, I've already learned it. I've ran several IMSA races. And, and the first time I ran it, I didn't understand the settings on on uh traction control and my wheel had actually flipped it off of what richie's set had and put it at like super unsensitive so i was spinning out every time in the horseshoe it was awful once i found out what the what that should actually be set to and had it had to set it by my wheel not just loading the set uh, the rest of the races went went pretty successful so the goal is to just try to stay in your head not be over aggressive and uh Again, it's twenty four hour race, so you don't you don't have to to really be aggressive any time with, with the slower classes. Just there's plenty of straights to pass them on. You may lose a little time, but over twenty four hours it'll balance out. Where whereas over one hour it doesn't balance out. So uh, I will definitely try to sit back and just be as patient as possible and and 
uh, I'm opening the race up for the team. I've also I set the whole schedule up. Uh, t- Tom gets to drive us into Sunset, and then uh, I take the big first night stint. Then basically, me, Tom, and Greg will be running the running the early race part of the race, and then Richie and Chris and Michael will be fishing, finishing it off for us. Uh, and we'll we'll see how it goes. It's a, actually a pretty stellar team. Yeah, I think you guys have a great shot um, at, at a win. So get it, Greg Hector's Final thoughts. Uh, like like Davis said, I'm just uh, I'm getting pretty excited to to, to do this race uh, this weekend. That uh, actually not racing that uh, LMP2 car up until now, I kind of missed out on what kind of car it was. It, it definitely I know David likes the LMP1 and he's got the hybrid and stuff, but it's such a nice car to just drive without the hybrid system, but also be a really quick car around the track like it's nice to i'm glad we're going to be able to fight for the overall win which is nice to to try and go for for the 24 hour um but yeah i'm going to do after the podcast here i'm going to do a couple laps try out the we got another set here that I'm just trying to get some feedback on to try and make sure uh some speed out of it and uh, go from there but uh I, I look forward to seeing how uh how we all do because uh it's this is the most participation i think team tofosi has had in a 24-hour race uh as a whole team split between two teams yep and i'm going to be in the slower gte car so not going for the overall win which is kind of a first for me i, I don't maybe not a first but i'm usually in the the faster car working for overall win but uh yeah i gotta watch that traffic tony groves final thoughts oh well, everyone, don't forget to uh, check out the Aftermath podcast. We recorded one last Saturday. We had a lot of fun with that one, a lot of back and forth, and um, Tony's great debate. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, this Saturday, we are all three of us from the Aftermath, along with you know Brian, Mike, and Mister Flowers, are all uh, you know doing the twenty-four. But. Uh, we are also calling the Ladies of I Racing race, and they're making their debut in the Cup car, and uh, they have been logging a lot of practice hours trying to learn this car. Um, the track is uh, going to be at Charlotte, so they have, you know, lots of experience at Charlotte, but a whole new car. Um, uh, three of us uh, joined into practice with them a couple weeks ago, and uh, just to help them out if they wanted, or just just to kind of hang out with them. And that, that was a real fun experience. Those ladies are a lot of fun and boy, oh boy, they can get real serious even in a practice. So we're uh, looking forward uh, to being able to call another race for them and uh, super excited to see them in the cup cars and uh, see what they bring to the table. Yep. And I'll be racing the 24 hour car while you guys are in the booth. Uh, hopefully you won't be gone too long, um, and I'll do as many shifts as I need to, to while that race is going on. But I'm glad to to be a part of it and uh, see how it goes. I should uh, we should be able to get her done in about two hours. Um, they've they've definitely learned the lesson on not counting caution laps, so um, we won't be repeating that one again. I hope. Okay, my final thought, uh, boy. I guess I'm ready for the 24 hours. Uh, Ran a practice race, ran a practice. That's about all I got. Boy, I wasn't getting much faster either. I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, a second and a half off pace. And that's where I've always been. But uh, that's normal. Uh, trying to get my oval eye rating back is not really happening. Uh, I get one good race, but then I have two bad races. And it just wipes out everything I've gained. 
So I'm kind of having second thoughts now about running those cars that I probably shouldn't have been running and run my I rating into the ground. And uh, not sure I'm going to recover for the division uh, split at the Daytona 500, but uh, that's okay. Maybe I'll be able to compete for the championship and maybe division three or something like that. But uh, looking forward to it. And with that, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.